What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No music, no intro. Another episode of Hashtag Saints Twitter Podcast. So Ryan and I figured that it would be really dumb for us to have a Hashtag Saints Twitter Podcast and then actually start having people that make Saints Twitter what it is. We got hash, we got at Will Del Toro on the pod. How you doing, Will? What's going on, man? Man, La Jolla Shorty. I got La Jolla Shorty here with me. I got Big B Sean here with me. You know what I'm saying? We're about to, we're about to do this thing, man. Thank you for having me, bro. <laughs> so, Will's a Saints fan. My man was on cloud nine when the LSU won the championship this year, which feels like t- 10 years. <laughs> about, about a smooth five years ago, for real. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, we just, we just chopping up. So, a question – that anyone that we get on the podcast as a Saints fan, that's a part of hashtag, hashtag Saints Twitter podcast that I feel I need to ask is what is what is your story? Like, what is your origin story of being, obviously you're an LSU fan, obviously you're a Saints fan, you in the, you know, you, you, you in the area, what's, what's your story? Man, born and raised here uh, in New Orleans. Um, my dad was, you know what I'm saying, first generation Saints fan. I kind of feel like, it breaks up into a handful of generations at this point, man. Not, you know, true generations, but just like in terms of the existence of the franchise, right? So you have your OG fans, which were the ones that was at, at inception at Tulane Stadium and shit, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Typically boomers and whatnot. Then you got your uh, early 70s to mid 70s folks that, you know, were there for the transition between, you know, Tulane Stadium and, and Superdome and shit. And then you have your late 70s to early 80s, you know, and beyond. And that's kind of where I fall in, man. Like, my dad had season tickets and shit that he used to share with uh, a bunch of cats he used to work with or whatever, man. Uh, he used to work at, you know, one of, like, the refineries and shit. So they, they'd all, like, put their money together and get stupid drunk. Um, his coworkers and shit, man. Cats was fun, man. Brothers out of shot, man, man. Salute to him. But um, we used to go, man, when the Saints were fucking terrible. You know what I'm saying? This is pre-Jim Mora. This is faith, hope, and bum and shit, man. I was like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I'm like fucking two and three or whatnot going to the Superdome, not really knowing what was happening. The first uh, 
real memory that I had was the Saints playing the Buccaneers, the fucking creamsicle Bucks, when uh, I think Vinny Testaverde was the quarterback. <laughs> they played, yeah, they played them, you know, in the dome like a million fucking years ago, dude. That was like yeah. my first actual memory of, you know what I'm saying, of the Saints and kind of being aware of football and all that kind of stuff, man. But, uh, you know, man, you know, like everybody else, bro, labor love. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, we've been here through, you know, all of the horrific times and now to, you know, to the point where we, you know, we fucking, we don't flinch at 12 and 4. What's that? Right. You know what I'm saying? We live, we live okay. good. So we was here through the fucking Jim Hazlitt years. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> fucking Mike Ditka. And the you Jim Hazlitt years. And the Jim Hazlitt uh-huh. years was the good years. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How ridiculous is that? When you go and you look at that shit in hindsight, dude, how ridiculous is that shit? You know what I'm saying? Scratching the claw in the 10 and 6 was the good times. You know what I'm saying? That was fucking good times, bro. You know what I'm saying? Comparison to the years that we had with uh, Jim Moore where we, you know, go fucking 11 and 5, second in the division. Nothing. Go home. Nothing. Yeah. And don't, even, don't even mention Mike Dick. Man, yeah, yeah, that was this, that was my first real test, right? Yeah, so, yeah, for real. That you know what I'm saying? Real. You knew there was, you know, there was shit when you know what I'm saying when you were a little kid. It was just, hey, man, look, we, you know, everybody just get together, go support the team, or whatever, right? But you know, once you had the little taste of success with Jim Moore, and then we kind of slid back a little bit, and then fucking Mike Dicker shows up. And had all that, you know, because we stupid, man. We ain't no better listening to fucking Buddy D and all this other shit. Oh, man, Mike Ditkin, blah, 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 man. We was gassed. This whole city was just gassed waiting for, you know what I'm saying, waiting for that. Gassed out, bro, waiting for that shit to pop off. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it was ridiculous, bro. You know what I'm saying? And trade happens in hindsight, which, you know, when you go back and you look at that thing, man, there's two ways you can look at it, right? So... You know what I'm saying? On paper, you can look at it and say, eh, not a terrible trade. You know what I'm saying? The Saints basically traded Ricky Williams for, well, no, I'll take that shit back. Because when you really look at it, it was what, Champ Bailey and uh, yeah. LaVar Aronson? Was that it? Yep. Yep. Woo! Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Because the front office is so fucking stupid. Was that the, the Bill Kaharick years? Was Bill Kaharick the, the, the GM at the time? Yeah. Because that was pre Randy Mueller, right? That was pre-Randy Mueller, right? Yeah, yeah. So that was fucking Bill Kaharick, man, which I don't know how the fuck that, man. Uh, you know, about Bill Kaharick, but, uh, yeah, you wonder how, you know what I'm saying, how that cat's still hanging. Is he still in Kansas City? I have Or is he gone? Right. Yeah, because, like, the last thing I saw was, like, a couple of years ago, he was in, like, the Chiefs front office somewhere. I'm just like, fucking yeah. how? Yeah, I remember, that. <laughs> I remember that, but I, I hadn't kept up with him, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, the front office at the time, man, were just making, you know, not horrible picks, but just not good picks. You know what I'm saying? Fucking Chris Naoli and, you know, Alex Molden instead of Eddie Jordan oh, when you need the running back. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Oh, and fucking, you know, the, the wild shit is Mike Dicker was fucking right on Randy Moss. People don't remember that shit. Mike Dicker was one of the few head coaches that was on record saying that Randy Moss was the fucking truth. And he even told Randy that he was going to take him. And then they get to us and we take fucking Kyle Turley. Now, Man, you know, I didn't know that. I didn't know that yeah, shit. Yeah, he did. He, he, was, he was up here talking that shit about uh, Randy Moss, and he told Randy that if he was there, when we got to him, he was going to take him. That didn't happen. But you know what? You know, Randy, not, Randy Moss in New Orleans 
Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> man, because you got to think about it, right? So, you know, the thing I wonder about, bro, because I don't think Randy was going to get no shit down here, but who was going to get him no. the ball? Right. Yeah. Who was going to get him the ball? Fucking, you know what I'm saying? At that point, you know what? Uh, in 98, I got I to, gotta, ooh, I got to jump back for a minute. Who the fuck was the quarterback in 98? That wasn't the Billy Joe. I think the Billy Joe thing was just about over, right? Yeah, Billy Joe was almost over, and then it just it, it was a. Uh, it was fucking for a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. And then Jake was that Jake Blum? No, no. No, no, no. But anyway, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Randy, you know, Randy wanted where he needed to be, where they couldn't just you know give him all the coverage, and they could just shoot that bitch down the field to him. You know what I'm saying? Oh. And uh, that worked out. But just you know, back to you know all of that, man. Was just that you know we had okay drafts, not great drafts. You know what I'm saying? They weren't ever horrible. They were just consistently okay, yeah. which is even worse. Because at least if you have it, you know what I'm saying? Because at least if you have shit drafts, you know what I'm saying? Generally, you're going to have a poor product on the field, which, you know, will reflect in a really poor record, which will give you a better shot at yes. it being, a you know, a fuck-up proof pick the following year. But we were just mired in that little, you know, in that quicksand of fucking, you know, six and ten, seven and nine for, you know, forever. And then, you know, Jim Hazlitt shows up. That was an experience in itself, man. That was fun. So let me, <laughs> let me, let me ask you this. And I, it's a, what up? I, it's, it's a two-parter. Yeah. What would you say to the young fans, younger fans, younger generation of Saints fans, where the last three playoff seasons have been completely heart, you know, heartbreak. I don't, I don't consider really last season, you know, last year heartbreak. That was just being outplayed. But you know, the last two years of heartbreak in the playoffs with the Minnesota Miracle, the no call. But as a whole, since maybe 2006, it's been successful. Like you know, com- away compared to what the history of the team has been. So what would your advice be to like new fans of the new generation of Saints fans? You know what I would say, man, honestly, uh, not to be like, you know, the, the old man that comes in and, you know, yells at the cloud and shit, but uh, I don't think that the people that showed up post Katrina and, you know, Sean Payton, Drew Brees era really know how lucky they are to roll into this era. This is, for all intents and purposes, man, I'm trying to think of a good comparison in terms of on-field success and ultimate success. This this run reminds me of the – it's probably um, – I'm somewhere between a more successful Andy Reid McNabb and uh, Brett Favre and uh, McCarthy. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Where all you got is, you know what I'm saying? You got consistent 10 win seasons, always in the championship, always in the picture, but it just, you know what I'm saying? It never truly manifests. But in hindsight, those are the best years. You know what I'm saying? Where you just, you really don't have to even blink about it, man. Like we, you know, if somebody told you we'd win 10 games this season, all of us would turn our hands like, how the fuck is only 10? You know, yeah, and when exactly. you come from, that's, when you come from, you know crazy. what I'm saying, fucking, you know what I'm saying, uh, Danny Werfel at quarterback, you know what I'm saying, Andre Hastings at receiver, who the fuck knows, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at running back, you know what I'm saying? It's, you know, it, it's a really, you know, it, it's a really, uh, you know, it's a great time to be a part of this franchise, man. It's like when the 49ers went from being, you know, a fucking also-ran team to Joe Montana shows up, Bill Walsh, 
got the fucking, you know, got the playbook burning. And, you know what I'm saying, now you go into the point where they become the golden standard. Yeah. Right? That's what, you know, that, that's what this, this era of Saints football is. Has it manifested in, you know, the way that it probably should? No, but if we're being honest, man, most great teams, you know what I'm saying, some of the best teams we've ever seen in football never win at all. You know what yeah. I'm saying? That fucking Vikings team we just talked about didn't oh, win man. shit. You know I what I'm saying? They, they have to wear that. Like, that's that's a cloud over yeah. their franchise. Right. I mean, going back they the never 70s, got one. Right. Never got one, you know? No, man. You know what I'm saying? Great teams. Fucking right. You know what I'm saying? I think about that team, man. I think about that, you know, that defense with John Randall, you know what I'm saying, and Randy Moss, and that offense just being ridiculous, man. People don't remember how good Robert Smith was as a back. Running that bitch and catching the ball out of the backfield and stuff like that, man. People don't remember that about Robert Smith. Robert you know what I'm saying? Smith, that was kind of Robert Smith, that's dog. Yeah. Boy, yeah. Yeah, man. You know what I'm saying? That whole offense, Jake Reed, Chris Carter, um, mm-hmm. Glover, I think, was the tight end. I think that was after Steve Jordan rolled out. Steve Jordan rolled out uh, right before all of that popped up because he was there like, you know what I'm saying, we lost to them in the fucking 80s and shit in the playoffs, which yeah. is crazy, man. Like, I, I was thinking about that shit earlier, bro. Y'all realize we have lost to, I don't know how many years the Saints have gone to the playoffs. It's less than 10 total, but <laughs> every, we've lost to the fucking Vikings four Vikings. years. So many times. Yeah. On, on my, first, my first... Dog, my first real heartbreak was when we lost to the fucking Vikings in 87 because that's when we were super-duper hyped just on making yeah. the playoffs. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? The first time the Saints made the playoffs. The first, that was the first time we made the playoffs, playoffs bro. We yeah. was, man, we were so hyped on that shit, and then they crushed us. I think Eric Kramer was the quarterback, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's Eric Kramer, it's Eric or Danny Kramer, but either way, man, they came to the dome and they fucking wrecked us, man. I was just like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, and, they wrecked know, us. And, they, yeah. And then you juxtapose arguably the greatest Saints win outside of the Super Bowl is, you know, the NFC Championship right. game against the Vikings. The greatest <laughs> win... <laughs> in that franchise history, yeah. In franchise yeah. history, man. To but the shit is, man. You, yeah, you I'm know what I'm saying. Say, and to this day, that that NFC Championship game is the most stressful Saints game I've ever experienced oh, in my man. entire life. Which uh, one? The the NFC Championship game against the Vikings. Like, my the nerves for that game. I just nothing ever. Like nothing will uh, talk. That was that was peak. I mean, That's you peak. Can't, you you can't get past that peak. Like you no. just can't. You can't do mm-hmm. that in sports. That's the peak. And then the way it plays out, like, you know, we don't oh. get, you know, we don't get Drew Brees taking a knee, you know, the end nope. of time. Absolutely we, not. Mm-hmm. We get the most bone crushing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. And the watch it was, man, I'm sitting there watching that game with my dad, bro, and, uh, you know, I'm looking at, you know, the Vikings getting up and they got all the rhythm going. And I'm just sitting there, I'm just like, man, you know, if we get this two minutes going, then I think we're going to be all right because the defense is starting to settle in. You know what I'm saying? Drew kind of got something working. Okay, cool. He found something on that defense. We got him. We got the adjustment because that's the guy that always gives, you know, Sean Payton trouble is uh, it was two guys. It was always Greg Williams, which is how Greg Williams wound up here, and Mike Zimmer. Always give Sean Payton, you know, fits. Those are the two guys that, you know, either know how to irritate him and disrupt him the best. You know what I'm saying? You could, I don't remember mention the Pete Carroll, but that's because Pete Carroll had a fucking crazy-ass defense there, you know, in that time. Yeah. But, uh, and Levy Smith, Levy Smith with, the, with that cover, too. But, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the whole thing. It's like, man, I'm sitting there watching that game. We were down, like, what was it, like 14, 17, something like that. I wasn't panicking. I was like, man, you know, we're going to be all right. And sure enough, 
We get going right before the end of the half. We get the ball, you know what I'm saying? We're doing our thing, whatever. So I'm just completely expecting, you know, that just to, you know, play out the way it has. And, you know, one day we'll get the true story about what the fuck happened on that play. I don't know if, you know, if, if homie just had a brain fart and he was just a young guy and he was just really trying to listen to what the coach told him. But, um, yeah, man, it's, uh, you know, that, that I wasn't even tripping on that one. I was just like, okay, man, that's just football. Some stupid shit happened. Because I remember when I was in high school, man, I went to St. Og. And um, when I was in high school, bro, we played Bonneville in the playoffs. I think this was, uh, like, my sophomore year, man. I'm talking about, like, 95, 96 or whatever, right? So I'm old. But we played them, bro. They had us, you know, basically dead to rights. They had us beat. And the quarterback for Bonneville takes the snap. It was, like, maybe – five, six seconds left in the game. He takes the snap. He runs back, and he just throws the ball in the air like it's a basketball game. So he runs up celebrating like this shit is, you know, the game is over, you know, everything is great, man. When our cornerbacks pick that shit up, walk it in the end zone, we got it. You know what I'm saying? We win that shit. You know what I'm saying? That was an actual game that actually happened, bro. You know what I'm saying? So it, sometimes you just got to chuck that shit up to football, bro. You know what I'm saying? People yeah. make, you know, have brain farts, have mistakes, you know what I'm saying? Shit happens, and you just kind of got to take it and move with it, bro. But, um, you know, I wasn't I wasn't upset about that game. The The Rams game was the one that really fucked me up. I was just like, come on, man. Oof. That one was, you know, that one was was tough to get over. And even with that, I had kind of, you know, I don't know, man. I think it's just this the stage I'm kind of going through in life right now where, you know what I'm saying, I've been completely – invested in sports, invested in this team, and, you know, just – and now I'm just at a point, man, it's just, you know, I care, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm, I'm here. I love the team, you know what I'm saying? I love supporting the team. You know, I love seeing everybody at the tailgates and hanging out and stuff like that, but I, I just can't let it affect my – I can't let that shit affect my yeah. life, dude. No, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just can't, you know, when you're to the point where you're having a hard time getting out of bed on Monday and shit. Monday <laughs> sucks enough as it is. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you know what I'm saying? It's fucking Monday, and you sit up here staring at the clock and really trying to make a real life decision. Like, dog, how many sick hours do I have? <laughs> we 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 you laugh because it's because we've all been like I I feel like all all three of us, you know, we've taken like, for me for I know for me and Ryan it was the NFC Championship game against the Rams. Like after that, I was like, you mm-hmm. know what? I I can't. I won't. I refuse to let myself feel this way over a sports team ever again. Mm-hmm. And it was a. It was life changing because it just like it's like you said. You still. We still love the team. We still root for them. We still watch. But that emotional connection and that emotional investment, like when you sever that, it completely changes your whole outlook. Doug, and I'm telling you, man. Every time it happens, it's a, a little bit. I gotta. I gotta put a little bit less back in. You know what I'm saying? So. The first really tough one for me was that Vikings game I told y'all about. The one back in 87. I was like, God damn, man. I thought we was going to do it. Okay, cool. Then that shit with uh, Bobby Avery and the fucking Eagles. I don't know if y'all remember that shit, man. That one was tough. That was hard. Because I'm just like, bro, we so much better than what the fuck is happening. Why are we losing? You know what I'm saying? I turned to my dad at one point like, why are we losing? <laughs> Which my dad, you know what I'm saying, you know, went off in this whole little thing fucking, you know, cursing Bobby Avery up and down the street. But, you know, it is what it is. But, you know what I'm saying? The thing with, uh, you know, with these things and every time you come back with a crush and loss, man, it's just, you know, it tests your resolve, man. And every time it just tells you, you got to put a little bit, even if it's just like 1%, you got to put 1% less into the shit because yeah. you can't let that sink your whole, you know, you can't let that shit sink your battleship, man. 
You know what I'm saying? No matter how much I love the team and I want to support and shit like that, dog, I just can't let that shit, you know, affect, you know, my 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 week. I still got to eat. You know what I'm saying? I still got to work and shit. I know everybody at the job pissed off, too, because they watch that bullshit. You know, except one of my homies, he a fucking Patriots man. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, fuck that dude. Love him. <laughs> I tell him, you know what I'm saying? I love you, bro. Fuck you. <laughs> Especially but, when, like, when, like, after a tough loss, you sitting there depressed, and then you get on IG and one of the Saints players, like, on the island or some shit. Say, <laughs> man, listen, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, bro. I learned a valuable lesson. I'm glad we're right here, man. We had 2020. We had 15 years of the 2005 Saints, man. And God bless Aaron Brooks. Aaron Brooks taught me a valuable lesson. That is when... I made, I drew the line between, you know what I'm saying, being completely vested, completely dialed in as a fan, and you know what, this is just some shit to do when I got some free time. So, we were playing the Bucks in Tiger Stadium. Uh, this was, I don't, I don't remember if it was a year, Ryan, I already know what the fuck I'm talking about. It was either October or November in 2005. Aaron Brooks had thrown, I think, four interceptions, or three interceptions in that game, two of them to Rondé Barber. And then he had just thrown his his fourth one in the game. I think his third to Rondé Barber, if I'm not mistaken. Could be wrong. And I just remember being fucking furious, man. And then the Fox cameras cut to Aaron Brooks squirting water on Lamont Hall's ass on the sideline, like laughing this shit. And I just remember being so fucking angry, dude. I thought I was having a aneurysm, bro. I'm just staring at the fucking TV like really not knowing what to do. <laughs> That's what I got, man. <laughs> I didn't live far from Tiger Stadium, bro. I thought about it for a minute. I was like, I gotta fight this dude. <laughs> this motherfucker. He's like, he I gotta fight here, man. <laughs> I gotta fight right. Because I'm sitting up here, bro. That was, you know, we were all dialed in and everybody, you know, everybody was just, man, the Saints rapping us and, you know what I'm saying? Everybody going hard and going through this bullshit in San Antonio to rep us and all that jazz. And this nigga over here squirting Lamont Hall on the ass with a pile of water. And I'm just like, that was just it for me, bro. I was just like, you know what? It's a job, man. And I respect that about those guys. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I don't, you know what I'm saying? And that's why, I, you know, I'll never be the guy to be up here talking about, oh, so-and-so is selfish for asking for money, et cetera, et cetera. Guess what? It's a fucking job. We love watching this shit. But it's a fucking job. It's a job for these guys. They are, you know, some of, like, you have, okay, I'm not going to say that it's like that for everybody, but for a lot of these cats, you know what I'm saying, that's in the league, it's a, it's a way for them to provide for their families, and I respect that. But you have a tiny percentage of the guys who are obsessed with competition, and those are the guys who separate themselves one way or another, either with talent or with work ethic. That's the, you know, the wild thing about, you know what I'm saying, I love about Drew, you know what I'm saying, is that he's a fucking maniac because he loves to compete. And there's nothing else in this world, in business, in politics, no matter what, that's going to fill the void of him being able to compete at the highest level in doing this shit. Mike Thomas, you know what I'm saying? Mike Thomas. Mike Thomas, if we're talking about, you know, measurables and shit, Mike Thomas is not that far away from everybody else. But you know what the fuck separates Mike T from everybody else? That insane little piece of DNA that that dude has that was either cultivated or that was there to compete and to be his very best and to do his very best. You know what I'm saying? And we'll get back to Mike in a minute, man. But Mike on some Jerry Rice shit. It's yeah. never enough. I caught 149. I could have did 155. I could have did 160. You know what I'm saying? And even though, you know, we can come back to that in a minute, man, it's a certain 
thing that some of those guys have, man. They just love competing. Like we were watching the UFC last night, man, and Cormier. You know what I'm saying? The thing didn't go in his favor last night. He lost. But the thing about, you know, guys like Cormier, man, you know what I'm saying, is that he's been competing, doing this wrestling shit for so long that when it came to the end of the string in wrestling, you know, 10 years ago at the Olympics, it was like, okay, well, you know, I still want to compete, so what can I do? All right, man, you can go learn how to fight. All right. Like, you're shorter than everybody else. You build like a fucking, you know, cat on a sewage and waterboard truck. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but you can go learn how to fight, and you can still compete. And those guys that are obsessed with competition, obsessed with learning and being great, man, those are the guys that, you know, keep pushing and keep separating themselves, man. And so when we watch the NFL, you can tell who's there for a job, who enjoys the lifestyle, and who is just out there obsessed with competition, man. It's really easy to see. And that's what, you know what I'm saying, that, that, that lesson with, you know, with, with Aaron Brooks in that game. And, again, God bless Aaron Brooks, man. A.B. stood up on that team, man. And, you know, they'll talk about A.B. one day, man. Like, they finally starting yeah. to give, give, you know, give a little bit and realize that they, you know, they kind of fucked over Kaepernick right now. One day we'll talk about how Aaron Brooks got, got blackballed for speaking up for how the Saints were getting fucked over in 2005. We'll talk about that uh, shit one day. But, oh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that's what, you know, but but that's what, you know, I, I learned. That's what that taught me was that for some of these guys, it's a game. You know what I'm saying? And they have to, you know, be able to treat it that way. You know what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure it drives their teammates that are, you know, obsessed with competition, drives them nuts. But, you know what I'm saying, that's what kind of took my fandom from absolute and turned it down a notch. Like, okay, all right, we got to have some separation here because I can't be ready to, you know, throw my girl off a balcony because this fool and, you know, threw four interceptions and he don't give a shit, so why should I, right? right. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's how I was able to cope with uh, Minnesota. That's how I was able to cope with the Rams, no matter how hard that was to, to get over, man. You know what I'm saying? And so – and really, bro, honestly, if we hadn't already won the Super Bowl, I'd probably take it that much worse. But now, it's just kind of like, you know, not that I'm satisfied with just getting one. Because, I mean, if we're going to be honest, man, we left two on the table right now. Easy. I mean, easy. If we want to, I mean, so the NFC Championship game against the Rams out of their hands. But we want to be like real, real. If the defense doesn't shit the bed in San Francisco when I was at that game, mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. that's three. <laughs> that's three. That was – Doug, I'll tell you, man, I think that was the last one that really just kind of just separated it for me because, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, that was the one that just, like, cut my fucking heart out of my chest, dude. Man, you was, know what I'm saying? That, that was it That me, was the yeah. one, bro. <laughs> to this day, because I – Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll just say to this day because I was there, like, I can't – I can't, like, you know, I can't describe it. I remember it very well. I, my me, my daughter – who was probably like one, one and a half at the time, my ex-wife. I was, I had, a, I had it all planned. I was going to do a day trip, San Francisco, go to the game. I got the ticket for like 180. And I was like, oh, that's a great price for a divisional game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll up there six hours away. And then ex-wife is like, oh, well, you, since you're going to San Francisco, like we can make a weekend out, whatever. You, you know, we, we know how it goes. So I was like, okay, whatever. So we get there. And, she, you know, she wants to be like, she wants to like see San Francisco. And I'm like a player. I'm like, I don't want to fucking go outside. Like, it's like a business trip. Like, it's a mission, right? <laughs> like, I, you on a mission, right? I don't have any plans. Yeah. I don't want to go to the bridge. I no. So, I just can't. Ex- I can't. Ex- I can't explain what that feeling was being in like being in that stadium, 
when first it was the Sproles touchdown, pin drop. They come back down, Alex Smith, quarterback sweep, whatever. Then it's the Dreamy Graham touchdown. Literally most quietest place I've ever heard in my whole entire life. Like, it, nothing. And just seeing that, and since where I was sitting, I was kind of up and had like an all-22 angle. Like, I was yelling when the defense was on the field. Like, I could see Vernon Davis matched up against Malcolm Jenkins in single coverage. And I was yelling at Greg Williams, like, what the fuck are you doing? I said, what? What are you doing? (laughs) It's just, and then, and then for me, leaving the stadium, you know, Charlie, you know, Charlie Brown, you know, just downtrodden, getting hazed by, you know, 49ers fans. And what sealed it for me is when I, you know, when, you know, my, my ex comes, picks me up. And she was like, yeah, we were waiting for you outside, but like, we had to move the car because some people came around the car and they thought we were 49ers fans. And she was like, oh, no, like, I'm here with my husband. He's a Saints fan. And they start rocking the car with my ex-wife and my kid inside. Wow. Like, wow, man. They're rocking the Jeep. And I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? To this day, one of the worst sporting experiences of my life. Um, and they're like, that's, that's the ultimate heartbreak. That that's that's ultimate heartbreak. To this day, bro, I do not listen to uh, that fucking. Uh, what was that shit they used to use for the kickoff songs? Like a future oh, song, Tony oh, Montana, oh. Tony Montana. You didn't even know choice. I will act like that shit does not exist, man. Because it's just yeah, that shit made me sick to my stomach. Bro, I went from jumping, you know, what I'm saying, you know, as high as I could absolutely jump when Jimmy Graham scored that touchdown, to just really asking God why. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like man, why? Like why you doing this to me? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What did I do to, to you know what I'm saying for 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 this pain, dog? What did we do? Yeah, that was just hard, bro. Because I'm sitting up here, you know what I'm saying. And the wild shit is, and you know, credit to Hubble, I still think he's a fucking hack, but he got this shit right. We played them in preseason. I don't know if y'all uh, if y'all came to that game, dog, but they had Cap. That's Kaepernick's rookie year. Yep, and he was in there. Yeah, and Greg was fucking blitzing like it was the Super Bowl. Right. And you know what I'm saying? I used to sit in, uh, fuck, it was a section like 111, like the, the like maybe the 15 to 20 yard line behind the, uh, the opponent's bench or whatever, Brown. You know, Mahomes, we had season tickets with. We just looking at this shit like, why the fuck is he doing this? He bringing the fucking free safety, you know what I'm saying, on third down, on, you know, in the second quarter of a preseason game. Who gives a fuck? But, you know what I'm saying? What Harbaugh said after the game, you know what I'm saying? I give him credit for it, is that he pocketed that shit. He was like, all right, you know what I'm saying? If that's what it is, then that's what it is. And so when he saw Greg was getting nasty and Greg was getting, you know, super duper aggressive with it, you know, he knew what to do. And, you know, when they were working on shit for that week, he knew that Greg was going to go right back to, you know what I'm saying, those same tactics and that same shit and playing with his safeties like he does. And, you know what I'm saying? They brought us with it, man. You know, credit to them, dog. But I just, I, I can't believe that shit. Yeah. The irony, the irony of it is, you know, that game goes down in history because, because you know, you had the whole Bounty Gate, you know, mm-hmm. Williams speech before that. Yep. Oh yeah. And, but if you watch that game and you ask somebody, who do you think had bounties? <laughs> on this poor, poor people. Man, listen. <laughs> let me tell you something, dog. <laughs> they, they fucking executed Pierre Thomas on the field. Executed. <laughs> Shout out to, to PT, man. PT is the one training camp guy that actually came through and made a career of himself, man. Shout out PT. 
but they executed fucking PT. I don't know where the fuck did, did, did Reggie Bush even play in that game? Was Reggie uh, already gone? Reggie, uh, Reggie was still. I'm trying to remember, dog. Was Reggie yeah. already gone? No, he was still no, he was still on the team. I, what the was that Sproles? Was Sproles uh, Sproles the, the, no, the no, other no, guy in the game? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was Sproles. So yeah, he was gone. But remember, they Sproles was a guy. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, but then Yes. Was Courtney yeah. Morgan on the team? Because I remember what because they were yeah. on no kickoffs. They they yeah. were playing at uh Rock You. Corey, like Courtney Robin got <laughs> Courtney Robin got splattered. Oh yep. man. Corey, Courtney Robin got splattered. I think he I think he dropped one too. It was just bad, man. You know what I'm saying? Like that whole first quarter, it was like the Saints was coming out there like it was a regular fucking Sunday. And the Niners was coming like it was a fucking, you know, like it was it was do or die. You know what I'm saying? And you know, rightfully so. It was, but uh, yeah, having the having the front row seat to see Justin Smith go against Carl Nix. Like, mm. that, mm. you, so you talk and to this, and this is we can get into the whole Drew thing, but like, yeah. it was a, a game where, as a fan, my respect for him was. I gained so much respect from him as a player because I was there and I was at that game and there was no way we should have had a chance. Like we had a shot to even win that game. Right. Four. Yeah. I mean, I think at the top of my head, there was four turnovers. It was the Pierre fumble. It was a fumble yep. on a, on a, on a kickoff. Roby. 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 And there was two and two other interceptions, right? Yeah. yeah. Four turnovers in San Francisco. And yeah, San Francisco with that defense. And he willed them back and put them in yep. a position to win the game twice. Like, it was – like, and that's what he does, right? He did that against San Francisco this season. <laughs> six, <Bro>. six touchdowns. <laughs> Say, man, listen, bro, and, and, and I'm, I'm starting to wonder, bro, is that I was script? Because you think about Seattle, you think about, you know what I'm saying, all of these playoff games, Minnesota, Minnesota, you know, the American how many times do we go into these games, these really big games, get overwhelmed early, and then have to fucking scratch and claw back only to get, you know, completely heartbroken at the end? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And a, you know, there's stories in there, you know what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure that, you know, that there's books to be written on that shit one day, bro, but that's like our story. It is. You know what I'm saying? Is that we, you know, we, yeah. No, I'm just saying, I don't know how much, you know, watching headlines goes into it. But it's always the games where the media is just like, oh, yeah, Saints got this. It's, it's just those games where it's like, oh, yeah. like I hate them. It's like Minnesota last year. Everybody was like, oh, this Everybody. is Everybody. Everybody. I'm like, have you, you know why, man? You know why, man? Because they really, you know, if we're going to be honest about it, man, you know, bro, man, I love those guys. I love every guy on that team. You know what I'm saying? They try their best and shit, but because it should have been. What happened was, honestly, you know what I'm saying, and credit to Mike Zimmer, Mike Zimmer looked at that tape, saw exactly what the fuck it was with that offense, and he went to work. Yep. He went to work. He went to work on that offensive line with every man on that line. He attacked Ramchek. He attacked fucking uh, uh, Pete. He attacked fucking Bushrod. You know what I'm saying? And pretty much the only one that really kind of held it ground, man, shout out to uh, McCoy, man. McCoy did his thing. You know what I'm saying? But the rest of them cats got work. They got attacked. You know what I'm saying? They came right out and they jumped on it. But to your point, man, you're right. Every time that, you know what I'm saying, we have something because, I mean, you know, it happens with, especially with the national media, man, like the local beat writer guys, those are the guys that have the, you know, their finger on the pulse of the team and they really know what's up, you know, more than, you know, most of the time. We ain't saying no names, but 
most of the time, you know, they didn't know what's up. But oh, we can, you know we, what I'm saying? We can, we can say names on here, like we. <laughs> we but, okay, well, I'll say I'll say, but I. Don't know. <laughs> but anyway, you know what I'm saying? The national guys are just going to ride, you know what I'm saying, what they know. Who has the better quarterback? They have like a fucking, you know, like a checklist they go down when they make these picks. Who has the better quarterback? Who has the better head coach? Uh, you know, who's a, who has the better superstar at the you know, skill positions? Who has the game style, the defensive player, blah, 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 blah. And most of the times when you balance that list out, it lines up for the Saints. You got the Hall of Fame quarterback, you got the Hall of Fame coach. You know what I'm saying? A record-breaking offense, you know what I'm saying? Game-breaker at skill positions, whether it's Jimmy at tight end or, you know what I'm saying, Sproles when we have Sproles at that, you know, at that back position. And now we got Mike, you know what I'm saying, doing this thing with, you know, with Alvin in there. You know what I'm saying? So when you line it up on paper, it looks good. Opposed to, you know what I'm saying, this team that fucking scratched and clawed to get third in the fucking NFC North or whatever it was. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> It looks good, and that's why we wind up finding ourselves in that position. And I don't know how much uh, those guys, uh, you know, the younger guys on those teams, I'm assuming your vets at this point know what it is and know that, you know, nothing is guaranteed and nothing is sacred. You know, you can get fucking murked by anybody. You know what I'm saying? I wonder what you think about this. This is something I've been thinking about. You know, kind of my theme I've been saying is that, you know, Sean Payton, he thrives in a crisis. You know, that's why I think, you know, this season in particular is going to be – I think he's really going to shine this year because I think he's good at dealing with, you know, like just bullshit. You know what I'm saying? He's really good at it. Mm-hmm. But uh, with the Saints, I wonder if he struggles to coach a great team, if you know what I mean. Like – That is a beautiful like, thought, like man. Is, is, like, he's yeah. so, like the team is already good. He doesn't need to really mold. He doesn't need to use his – special motivational tactics or whatever, yeah. because they're already good. The talent is there where like, if you look at like 2009, you know, it was a, you know, it was a talented team, but it was, you know, it was kind of filled with, you know, kind of hard knock guys that kind of just came up and nobody right. believed in the Saints in 2009, you know, nobody expected. And then, no. you know, we, we went to the playoffs on a three game losing streak, which I think was a blessing in disguise. You know, he was able to, you know, going to the playoffs saying, look, ain't nobody believing you. Like, that's his mantra. So I wonder mm-hmm. if he hasn't figured out how to coach just a team that's expected to win yet. You know what I'm saying? I think I think he's great at, um, you know, man, like I said, that's a beautiful thought is that, you know what I'm saying, he's great at managing crises and, you know what I'm saying, shit happening, you know, you know, wild circumstances going on. But, you know, you think about it and how it's to, you know, we've always been, we hate that shit. We hate when they put us up in, you know, these little meaningless power rankings saying that the yeah. Saints are, you know, the second, uh, you know, the best team, the second best team and shit like that. Because honestly, bro, players read that shit. Their friends read that shit. They have gassing them on, on Instagram. They have gassing them in the group text. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, bro. They say, y'all gonna beat the fuck out of Minnesota this Saturday, man. Yeah, you know, yeah, Lattimore. They say, you gonna, you about to do your thing. You about to fuck oh, over there. Especially, yeah. especially Lattimore. Right. <laughs> man, you know what I'm saying? You know, and, you know, no, no, no disrespect to, to, to Sean, but I mean, you know what I'm saying? Just using that shit as an example, man. You know what I'm saying? Those guys are human, especially the young guys. And so they are, you know, more subject to listen to that shit. And so you think about our team's the last three years, yeah, we got Drew that's a million years old and Cam who now at this point it's kind of crazy to think about it is like the vet. That's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Outside of Drew, you know, Cam is the vet. You know, Drew and, uh, and Morstead, Cam is the vet. But the rest yeah. of these kids are, you know what I'm saying, 22, 23, 24. Fuck, Mike might be, what, 24, 25? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. You know what I'm saying? So all of these guys, uh, you know what I'm saying? You're, right. Your impact players are all young guys. And so they're all subject to listening to, you know, looking at reading, uh, reading their own press and shit like that. And I think, you know, to your point, Ryan, I think Sean is great at motivating, you know, vets and old guys. Yeah, man. They say you, you know, you ain't got it. You know what I'm saying? They say that you know, Cook about to come out here and fuck over you on Sunday. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff. But to reach these young kids and you know, and, and dial into those guys and get them to ignore, you know what I'm saying? You know, everybody telling them how wonderful they are and how great they're gonna play without actually putting the fucking work in. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, I'm not picking on Sean. You know what I'm saying? But I know that you know, kind of one of the things that you know that kind of comes out of the team or whatever like that is just that you know what I'm saying you know he don't really bring his best until you know not that it's too late, but you know what I'm saying not early. It's always right. you know playing catch up. You know he got fucking smoked. You know the first week, yeah, you know a couple of years ago, and then after that he was playing catch up to try to get there. And then by the time we got to like week four, week five, okay, cool, now you're here. Yeah. It'd have been right. wonderful if you'd have been here from week <laughs> one, man. Where the fuck would we be right now? Brian, you know what I'm saying? Brian and I were at that game. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was screaming at the fucking TV. I'm just like, man, it's fucking Ryan Fitzpatrick. What are you doing? What are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? You know what I'm saying? No disrespect to Mike Evans, but man, what the fuck are you? It's Ryan Fitzpatrick, dog. You know what I'm getting carved up? What the fuck? Put some respect on Fitzmagic's name. He came out cooking. Hey, man, listen. I'll tell you something, bro. If we're talking about, like, career fucking life of backup quarterbacks, that dude has made the absolute most out of the bare minimum. You know what I'm saying? It's him and the... Yeah, you know what I'm saying? You know, it's, it's him and the fucking McCown brothers, man. You know, <laughs> in this era of backups, nobody will ever surpass Steve DeBerg. Steve DeBerg had a fucking 20 year career doing nothing. And I think oh, the only person that's on par with that. Chase Daniel. The only man. person that's on par with that, huh? Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel get the bag, Daniel. Chase is, that's what I'm saying. Chase is on that, he's on that trajectory. <laughs> Chase is on his way. Chase is like halfway to fucking Steve DeBerg status, man. If we're still talking about uh, Chase in, like, 2024, <laughs> being the backup for Jordan Love and, and Green Bay. Get the bag, Chase. The, the Chase got the fucking bag, you know what I'm saying? Mike, you know, uh, Matt Flynn, God bless Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn, was, you know, had, like, flash for a minute, but his time yeah. passed, man. But, yeah, fucking Chase is on that, that trajectory. I forgot how much fucking Chase had made to this point. It's like bro. almost forty million dollars, right? Yeah, like thirty-eight million or something like that, bro. For like less than ten starts, right? Oh, like two starts. That is obscene. <laughs> that is fucking obscene. You know what I'm saying? I, I wonder that is Sean, crazy, man. I wonder if Sean Payton gets like a two, like a one percent cut. <laughs> you got to. He, he you got to, man. At that some point, like, say, bro, look, I'm gonna bring you back, but look, man, I'm gonna need something, all right? I'm gonna need some, you know what I'm saying? You just, you know, you just driving my little bag on Friday evenings, and we're gonna call it evening, man. You know what I'm saying? When that check clear, when you, you know, when that check in your locker, I just need my little, you know, just driving my little bag in my, you know, in my office, and we're gonna be all right, man. Because I brought your fucking ass back, and I know you ain't gonna snip the field. You know what I'm saying? I made sure they took care of you. And what, you know, what are the fucking eyes? The one year we don't have him on the fucking team, you know what I'm saying? It's Teddy time, and you know we manage that shit. But, yeah, hell yeah, yeah, man. That shit is nuts, bro. But, um, yeah, you know, back to, you know, to our original point, man, you know, I think that he um, and his staff are great at teaching those kids and putting them in position to be successful if you got that, you know, that 1% in you, like we talked about. Um, But I think he struggles, like, you know, staying connected to those guys year-round. 
if you don't love playing ball, you know what I'm saying, if you don't have that thing in you that you just love to compete, you just love to be great, you just love to win, if you don't have that thing in you, man, it's tough to, you know, to, to stay with those guys. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No matter what it is, your motivation is, you know, is, is, a, is a couple of things. It's either you love to compete, you love to win, you love to be the best at what you do, you love money. Those are the only three reasons that you are playing in the NFL right now. You're playing at any, you know, professional level in terms of, you know, sports and entertainment and stuff like that, man, is that you either love to compete, you know what I'm saying, you love, you know, you love getting after it, and you, or you love money. And that's it. No matter what it is, you have to reach that guy at this level. Every now and then you reach a fucking dud. Just, man, I don't want to do this shit. I just, you know, they paid me and it is what it is and I'm ready to go home. You know what I'm saying? You know, and that shit happens from time to time. And that's why, you know, as much shit as we give teams about beating these kids over the head at the combine um, and, you know, going above and beyond with these questions is really because what they're trying to figure out, what they can't decipher, looking at tape of you, you know, Skull Dragon, West Virginia in October is, do you really love playing football? You know what I'm saying? Do you really like this shit? You know what I'm saying? When we pay you, are you still going to be the same guy? You know what I'm saying? When we give you this guaranteed money and you can now, you know what I'm saying, you know, change, you know, circumstances of your family, you know, is this, you know, are you still going to be the same dude? And that's what I think, you know what I'm saying, a lot of teams, you know, the the great teams are the ones that are able to identify the guys that fit, you know what I'm saying, that fit or the guys that, you know what I'm saying, are just like that, that way. Like, yeah, money is great, but this is what I love to do. You know what I'm saying? And those are the guys I think a lot of times that are able that they're able to get the best out of. And the rest of them, I think the ones that they kind of struggle to, you know, to connect with are the ones they're just kind of like indifferent. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so, you know, yeah, we'll see, man. You know, I think that it, it's kind of better right now just because you don't really, I think, you know, people that are paying attention know that uh, if you look on paper, the Saints have a, a great team. But, you know, I look at that shit and I'm just like, man, this shit looks good, but no. Nah. I might be the only one, man. I, I could be the only one, you know, in the wind and stuff like that, man, because I know how uh, they like to play and how they like to get after it and how Sean Payton likes to, you know, set shit up and attack it. And I'm, just, I'm just looking at this, this team and I'm just like, it looks really good, but, you know what I'm saying, on offense and on defense, like it looks really good, but, you know what I'm saying, as much as I'd like to just, you know, be all in and, you know what I'm saying, just say, man, we got it, we about to go merch yeah. shit, I'm just like, nah. No, Something missing. Yeah. You know, I feel that, man, because, I mean, we've seen it too many years in a row. So, right. you know, you just got – we just going to have to see it. I, I'm just I'm just fascinated with the season, all of it. You know, COVID-19, you know, you got this whole – you know, the NFL is pushing. They are going to have a season regardless. They don't care who shows up on the field. If it's 10 players on each team, they're going to play some football. You know what I'm saying? They gonna play some fucking football, man. And I'm gonna tell you why, man. So, like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, y'all know I watch, you know, I watch UFC and stuff like that. The UFC is owned by Endeavor Entertainment, which is like a big, you know, entertainment conglomerate, whatever, whatever, right? So Endeavor has a deal with ESPN where they have to produce so many events a year in order for them to guarantee the revenue from ESPN. And if they don't produce these events, then they don't get the money from ESPN and Endeavor is in a fucking hole, right? They lose a ton of money. It's just not a good time. Even now going through COVID, you know what I'm saying? They had a bunch of layoffs and stuff like that. So the UFC had to find a way to put this shit together. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of obscene when they were doing it and how they were doing it. But because there's such a low number of people that have to be involved to produce an event, it actually worked, right? 
with the NFL, I feel like it's the exact same thing. If they don't put these games on, man, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's no postponing the NFL season. They have a window, you know, and I'd, I'd love for anybody out there that, you know, that has access to, you know, what the inner workers of the contract is and, you know, the deliverables on that contract. But I think they have to deliver within a certain window. Like, there's no punting until, you know, the spring like you could do for, like, college football. Well, you just got to have the games and shit. I think that they have to have, you know, say a scheduled programming on all of these weekends uh, from September up until, uh, you know, fucking January, man. Or going into February. They got to do it. And they're yeah. already talking about since there likely won't be any uh, high school of football, I mean, college football, they're talking about going Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You know what I'm saying? And so I think, yeah. Life. Man, you know what I'm saying? I think that they could um, – what I think they probably should have done, which is a lot tougher to do when you got, you know what I'm saying, 53 guys on the, you know what I'm saying, on the week one roster, you know what I'm saying, another, you know, 30 or so coaches. I could be, you know, way overestimating that, coaches and administrators and shit like that, so on and so forth. It's really hard for you to pull off a bubble doing that kind of shit unless you're yeah. going to go shut down like Las Vegas. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It, it's impossible for you to be able to pull that thing off. You can do that with basketball. You can do that with hockey. You know what I'm saying? Even though hockey's have, you know, kind of expanded rosters you know, relative to basketball. But uh, in football, man, there's really no way to, you know, to, to pull that shit off unless you just absolutely go and shut down like a major city with a lot of, you know, hotels and resources and stuff like that, man. But yeah. um, in terms of making this season happen, man, I just, you know, I would be interested to see it. I think there's going to be a lot of, um, you know, and, you know, we kind of, you know, just kind of babbled about it a little bit. But in terms of, like, testing and things like that, man, like, how does that shit work? You know what I'm saying? Like, when we get to, you know, the injury reports right now are already shady as fuck. Mm-hmm. I think we all know that there's not a there's not a surprise to it. There's not a, you know, a thing about it. You know what I'm saying? It's always, you know, one of my favorite things about the year, it's a weird thing, is to find out what major injury that we speculated about that wasn't reported was true. <laughs> like, you remember that year? You remember that year Drew Knee was fucked up and, like, nobody said, you know, like, it was never reported or anything like that and then magically after the season, oh, yeah, by the way, Drew had to go get his fucking knee put back. Yeah, he had, he had, a, he had a damn MCL. Yeah! That's right, yeah, that's right. <laughs> right! It's it never on the injury report. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, like, why, why is Drew Brees throwing two interceptions a game? Like, he's just throwing interceptions like crazy. Right. Because he couldn't fucking play it. Right. He can't walk. Right, exactly. He couldn't fucking play on that leg. So he's up here, you know, back footing and trying to, you know, muscle everything. And that really wasn't his thing. So, uh, but say, I like to say, man, I just, you know, we wonder about, you know, with this testing, like, you know, and disclosures and required disclosures and what the, you know, what the league's protocols is, man, I'd love to know what that shit is and what that really looks like. Because, you know, let's think about, you know, if you get to a point where, you know, we start rolling into it, like, you know, everybody is above board and doing their best and all that kind of stuff right here. It's August, you know, we're in August right now. We're mid-August. Right. When we get to September, October, you know, maybe it's still, you know, kind of on par with what the standards are and stuff like that, man. But when it's Thanksgiving and, you know what I'm saying, mid-December, we're talking about seeding and all of that stuff, man. And all of a sudden, you know what I'm saying, that positive test ain't really rolling on time like it was supposed to. And it gets delayed or it gets fucking buried and stuff like that. Now, all of a sudden, you got an issue. You know what I'm saying? How is that going to be handled? You know what I'm saying? Or what, what, you know, what's in place to safeguard teams from bypassing that shit altogether? Or is it just one of those things that everybody kind of accepts? Yeah, fuck it. This is going to be what it's going to be. And essentially, we expect everyone to be, you know, be, you know, affected by this shit, impacted or infected, 
you know what I'm saying, with the virus in terms of, like, you know, players and personnel and stuff like that. You just do your best to mitigate it, man. I, I would love to know, you know what I'm saying, what the, what the protocols are. I can tell you the protocol. Nothing. Hey, <laughs> let me tell you something, man. If, if Mike Thomas, if the, if the number one seed on the line, Mike Thomas get a test, he's asymptomatic. Let's say he's asymptomatic, but his test comes back positive. Man, Sean Payne gonna ball that shit up and tell him go out there and play. Five thirteen, my brother's going into five thirteen. You hear me? That bitch is going into five thirteen, and they'll just let Roger Goodell come back, come find and find two million dollars in February when we hold that trophy. <laughs> when it comes out, when Jay Glazer pop up, you know what I'm saying? When we having a Super Bowl parade in New Orleans with no people, uh, <laughs> you know Jay Glazer reports that fucking Mike Thomas played like oh, the whole playoffs with fucking COVID nineteen. <laughs> I can see it, bro. I swear to God, I can see it. Bro. You know what I'm saying? Drew was in fucking Ashna from Wednesday to uh, to, to Friday <laughs> afternoon, <laughs> and then they flew him to Evan. Who, who's hosting the Super Bowl this year? Does that even matter anymore? Uh, like, are they just I gonna put no that idea. bitch in, in Las Vegas and call it a day? I have no clue. Who has I have no idea. Yeah, put no that motherfucker in London. Who cares, right? Uh, but yeah, you know what I'm saying. He's gonna report that bitch on like you know, Super Bowl Monday or some shit. You know what I'm saying after the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, by the way, Drew Brees and fucking Ashley getting you know, getting treated for COVID nineteen after the fact. But <laughs> that's the kind of shit I really think about. You know, in terms of this thing, man. You know what I'm saying. And, you know, God bless the guys that opted out. Um, I really think if everybody had a really true understanding and they had uh, people that were really honest with them about how serious this shit is more guys would have, you know, just set this shit out because it's really not, you know, I know we all kind of doing our best collectively to try to act like shit is normal and everything is cool, yeah. but it's really not. It's not. You know what I'm saying? And, I mean, in terms of all of the sports, you know what I'm saying, I think the UFC and the NBA have done the best jobs with uh, testing and, you know, managing contacts because, again, with such a low amount of, you know, of people relative to the NFL, you can do that. With the NFL, you, you can't do it. People. So, you know what I'm saying, you know that all of these guys, basically, if you opt into the season, you pretty much know that you're going to get it. Um, what you're banking on is that the NFL and your team is going to protect you and, you know what I'm saying, do the best to take care of you, and that's great. But what happens when, you know what I'm saying, that's, they take your kids take that shit to the grandmother or, you know what I'm saying, things like that, man. That's the kind of, you know, the kind of thing that I, you know, I think about and I worry about and really – we talk about, you know what I'm saying, um, how this affects all of us. And, you know, just culturally, you know what I'm saying, you have more, uh, you know, multi-generational homes, you know what I'm saying, and minority families, you know, generally speaking, you know, so like even when like schools opening and shit like that, you know what I'm saying, you have, you know, folks that live with their parents and stuff like that. So the kids will get the shit at school, bring it home to grandma. Well, it's no different than, you know what I'm saying, you being exposed to it, you know what I'm saying, you coming home and passing that shit along to your family because unless – we're going to do the bubble thing the whole season. I don't know if Sean Payton is only doing the bubble for – is he only doing it for training camp or is he doing this for the whole season? It's just camp for now. It's just for camp, okay. But unless you're going to do that, man, basically you have, you are signing on to, you know what I'm saying, expose yourself, expose your family to this illness that, honestly speaking, bro, we are about eight months in and we still don't know everything about. We're still learning about. That's a hard fucking sell. Don't you know what I'm saying? If these, if these guys – Right. If these guys, you know what I'm saying, really were informed that, you know what I'm saying, just what's at risk because, okay, let's say you get it, you're asymptomatic, whatever, whatever. They still don't know what the long-term effects are on for on you. 
you know what I'm saying, in dealing with this thing and managing this shit, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, I've, I've already seen that, you know, people are going to be more susceptible to chronic illness, which, brother, I promise you, you know what I'm saying, is no fucking joke. You know what I'm saying? Fibromyalgia and all of that kind of stuff, man. It's, you know, it, it's a motherfucker, man. And that's the, the thing I think that people aren't really, you know, being educated about and really understanding Like, Okay, yeah, you may not wind up in the hospital today with this shit, but if you have it, or if you've had it and you've recovered from it, you know what I'm saying? What are the long lasting, you know, uh, health effects that you're going to have? And I mean, relative to these players and, you know, competing and, you know, wanting to get after it this season. I mean, you know what I'm saying, man, when you think about it and I know how, you know, a lot of these cats are wired and, you know, everybody is in for whatever reason it is. Right. We know that Drew is in because Drew know this is his last shot. We know Mike is in because Mike is, you know, is in for, you know, is in to compete and he's up to, you know, to follow up on, you know, the greatness that he put up next season. Sure, everybody, it's not a fluke. But to, you know what I'm saying, play a 47 on the roster, you know what I'm saying? For you to, you know, what, what are the, you know, what are the, the long-term odds of this working out in your favor? You know what I'm saying? You might have a couple NFL seasons in you and it's a wrap, but, you know, at the end of the day, you may have fucked around and given your wife for your girl some shit that's going to affect her for the rest of her life. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And that's the thing that, that that's kind of scary about this thing, bro, is that, you know, everybody's kind of operating like we got all the facts and we don't. And the people who are here to inform us and tell us about this shit are the ones that are telling us. We don't know everything yet. This is what we know so far. And that's why it's kind of insane that we're trying to do this shit. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, just back to, you know, kind of, you know, we were kind of talking about right right before we came on, man. It's just that, you know what I'm saying? I think that if anybody's going to – at this point, I don't think it's, you know, it's likely. But if there was ever really an aha moment for everybody to really kind of figure this shit out and realize that this is a terrible idea, you know, it's going to happen soon. And I really don't think it is. Like, we, you know, we kind of see it a little bit in college football right now because I've seen players from Auburn and Alabama posting from Tuscaloosa and posting from Auburn showing just how, you know, much the virus is being disregarded by students and, you know what I'm saying, and in, um, you know, social gatherings and stuff like that, man. It's just like, you know, post a picture and it's like two people wearing a fucking mask and, you know, in a room full of 50, 60 people. You know what I'm saying? So you're already kind of seeing the college season starting to erode a little bit because the player confidence is gone. Because what do we hear Nick Saban and Dabo and all of these clowns say last week? Oh, players are safer on campus than they are going back home. Really? Because looking at Tuscaloosa, man, you know what I'm saying? And we're looking all that hot. And same thing with Auburn. And I'm pretty sure, you know, God bless Baton Rouge. I'm pretty sure, you know, we saw like all the guys got sick at Tigerland uh, this summer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They popped up just from going to like one party, one gathering. It was like 30 cats on the team got that shit. You know what I'm saying? So you've already kind of gotten, a, you know, a little microdose of what this shit's going to be like. So what is the expectation for NFL players this season? If they're supposed to go to work and go home and not have a social life. You know what I'm saying? Because certain cities are open. Fucking Atlanta wide open. I'm watching how this shit has affected Major League Baseball, bro. Everybody that has gone through Atlanta <laughs> then came out with some shit. You know what I'm saying? The, the guys the guys didn't want to stay in their room. They went out. You know what I'm saying? They, you know, they might say, oh, I just went to meet a friend. Okay, well, you met the motherfucker at Magic City. So, you know what I'm saying? So now all of a sudden the Marlins are down you know, for a week because they can't play because had the team tested positive for COVID because they all went out to party and shit. And I just, uh, you know, with that big long ramble, man, I just, I'm, I'm, down at the, I'm trying to project that and think about that relative to 53 players on an active roster, 
um, your coaching staffs, your administrators and stuff like that, man, unless you're going to require that those people basically live their lives just going to work and going home and then just managing their contact with people in their households, I don't think that there's any way that you can realistically expect that any team is going to get through this season clean. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The, the real you know impetus at the end of the day is just wondering if, you know, it, it, football already is a war of attrition from – the beginning of training camp, and we, we, you know, we were laughing about this shit on Twitter the other day. Okay, the pads coming on. I mean, it's just, the season ended. It's about to start rolling in. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It's a fucking war of attrition. Right. It's a war of attrition from, you know, August all the way through January. And, you know, if you're lucky enough and, you know, things are bouncing in your favor, you make it to, you know, the game in February, man. But, you know what I'm saying, when you roll this thing into it and you wonder about, you know what I'm saying, what's in place and what safeguards in place and what the impact is going to be, you know, um, it is really going to be, you know, interesting to see how, um, you know, how it plays out and, you know what I'm saying, what, um, you know, what the protocols are and what these teams are prepared for. I mean, you know what I'm saying, you know, God forbid, you know, Drew Brees get, you know, get this shit from one of his kids, you know what I'm saying, going to school. We got Jameis and we got, you know, Taysom on the roster so we can manage that shit. We didn't really get to start talking about that shit again. But that's why, you know, I saw, I forgot who, you know, I wish I remembered who uh, covered it. It might have been Nick. Yeah, I think it was Nick. Nick, uh, Wells at Football, check him out, subscribe. We need that. Yeah. Um, but Nick pointed out that the Saints are carrying, uh, looking at another punter in camp and thinking about that in terms of, um, you know, relative to if something happens to Morstead or happens to, you know, Will Lutz, that you have some additional coverage in the punt game and also in terms of kicking. So if something happens, throw them on a practice squad, you know what I'm saying, tuck them away and, you know what I'm saying, you know, when you are, um, you know, filling out your practice squad this year, you really have to do it less on in terms of projecting talent and trying to get them, you know, reps and trying to get them integrated into a professional workout program, practice, you know, practice program and, you know, just learning playbooks and stuff like that to who can help me if, you know what I'm saying, one of his kids comes home and gets him sick and he's gone for, you know what I'm saying, two weeks or three weeks. God forbid anything else happened. But essentially you have to assume that you have a contingency plan for all 53 guys or at the very least you're starting 22 and special teams for two weeks. At any given point, you have to be prepared for any of these guys to disappear for two weeks. And that's the reality of, uh, you know, football, COVID football. You know what I'm saying? So you have to be prepared for anybody to go. And I mean, you can say, oh, that's football, but it's really not. You know what I'm saying? We don't expect that there's, you know, a possibility that the whole fucking starting D-line is going to disappear because they went to lunch together at fucking Chili's or, you know what I'm saying, and in a wing stop or some shit. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And got that shit, and now all of a sudden, now we down Cam, Rank, Malcolm, and uh, two first. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know that's the kind of shit you have to think about, bro, because that's the nature of the virus. And again, it's what makes it all the more insane that we're doing this. I love football. I do. You guys do. We shouldn't be playing this shit at any level this year. Oh, that's just the hard truth about it. But because even, because we're Americans and because we don't want to go without this shit, you know what I'm saying? We need that narcotic. It's not even you know what I'm saying? It's not even a debate. It's right. <laughs> we should not be playing. Football should be played at any level this year. Any level. Pee-wee, high school, none of that shit, bro. Just because it's, it's the one sport you can't distance at all. Not in any way. Not in practice. You can throw, you know, you can throw a mask on, bro. I was in the grocery store earlier, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, it was a little warm in the store. 
My shit started getting sweaty, and I thought I'm about to have a fucking panic attack. Oh, bro. That shit kind of... It's the worst, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm a big guy, man. So, you know what I'm saying? Once that bitch starts sweating and getting wet, man, it's just tough. You damn shit, damn near waterboarding at that point, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm in the store. <laughs> I'm in the store trying not to have a panic attack and pass out. My big ass on the ground. But, you know what I'm saying? I wonder about these guys. You know what I'm saying? What's going to be expected of them? You know what I'm saying? Like, I saw a mock-up of uh, LSU having, like, a full face shield underneath the helmet, right? Like, they're going, like, full. I don't know if they're going to actually do it for everyone, but um, I did see that they had something where it was like a full face shield that went from the top of the mask all the way down to the bottom underneath the face mask, as opposed to doing like, uh, you know what I'm saying, the, the, the cloth mask or, you know what I'm saying, stuff over the face and stuff like that. And I just, I wonder, you know what I'm saying, how you think you're, you're going to be able to pull this off and not, you know, have these guys like, think about, you know, just, just pull some shit up, put on Madden if you need to, and look at the offensive and defensive lines. Lining up pre-snap. How the fuck do you manage the virus with that? There's, there's no way. Right? There's none. There's, there's none. no way. They are literally breathing in each other's face. There's just like, no way. Just Everybody's about, talking. Everybody's giving signals and shit. Just think, think about the quarterback center exchange. Like, the quarterback puts his knuckle in, like, the center's right. ass to get the snap. Like, yep. like, like that is right. You know what I'm saying? You got that. Or you got, you know what I'm saying? I know Drew been talking about not licking his fingers and shit, man. It's it's natural. You can't do that for 15 years man. and all of a sudden say, yeah, man, I, I ain't doing that no more. Nah, that's bullshit. Drew, you might not do it as much. Drew made it sound like he was licking his hands at home. Like, what What are you licking, Drew? Like, why, why are you licking? Mm-hmm. Like, man, I ain't never shaking Drew hands. Everything, bro. <laughs> Fuck no. Boy, you getting them knuckles in there. All right, bro, good, good, good game. You know what I'm saying? Nah, that's going to be that, but. Fuck that shit, man. But that's, you know, that's the kind of shit that I think about, man. That's what makes it all the more insane. And, I, you know, I'm pretty sure the NFL, I hope the NFL has a plan to, um, you know what I'm saying, to be ready for this to be catastrophic. And God forbid anybody really get ill and die. You know what I'm saying? Because we got, you know what I'm saying, a lot of these big guys, you know, like, you know. Like, remember we had uh, Nick Fairley uh, not that long ago had a fucking heart issue, you know what I'm saying, that went undiscovered. We found it. Right. And then we had the, the guy last, not last year, it was the year before, there was the, the deep snapper that we got from the Eagles that had, like, some hard shit. <laughs> we got new doctors, bitch! We got new doctors, you know what I'm saying? We find that shit, you know. But I wonder about that, man. You know, God forbid these guys get, you know, get infected and, um, you know what I'm saying, wind up, you know, compromised or anything like that. You know, that's that would be the worst-case scenario to me is that, you know what I'm saying, because we could not, we couldn't go without playing this season right now that, you know what I'm saying, ultimately it wound up impacting somebody's long-term health outside of the confines of football, right? At this point, you know what I'm saying, like when I, when I was playing in high school, man, we didn't know any shit about concussions or whatever, man. I'm pretty sure my eggs to this day are still scrambled from fucking around playing, you know what I'm saying, just a little piece of high school yep. football I played. Yep. You know what I'm saying? But these guys today know. You know, from high school to college to the NFL, you know that when you step on the field, you take an assumed risk. No different than working in a hazardous workplace, right? Like when I used to work at I used to work at Harris when I was in college, man, and they made you sign a fucking waiver, basically saying, "Hey, look, you can work here. It's cool, but you can never come back and sue us for you know what I'm saying any illness that you have, you may or may not have contracted on a job." You know what I'm saying? You can't get, you know what I'm saying? You can't come back and sue us for lung cancer because you decided to, you, you agreed to come work in here and expose yourself to it. And I'm pretty sure other, you know, other places have done that as well. 
you know, have those kind of things in place. And I feel like, you know what I'm saying, for the NFL, for football injuries, football-related injuries, head injuries, trauma, you know, joint injuries, soft tissue injuries, all of that kind of shit, you know what I'm saying, there's kind of an assumption and an assumed risk that you take when you decide to do this, right? Doing, you know, getting COVID and, you know what I'm saying, having, you know, fibromyalgia or giving your wife, you know, fibromyalgia, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine years down the line, because you had to play this season, man, is outside of those realms and those confines, man. And I'm positive, you know what I'm saying, these guys um, had access to all of the information instead of just, you know what I'm saying, what's uh, assumed or whatever, that uh, a lot more of them would have made that decision. What I would like to know, honestly, I would love to be a fly in the wall in the Patriots locker room six weeks ago. What the fuck do they know that all of those guys are opting out, right? And it, it can't just be that, well, we won a couple of years ago and I know we're going to suck this year. It can't be that. You got some guys that are absolutely going to do it. Like, y'all were joking about uh, C.J. Mosley and shit. I didn't realize, did he really opt out? Yeah, man. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. I mean, I mean, wow. to be fair, like, C.J. Mosley. Oh, yeah, is it? He plays yeah. for the Jets. Adam yeah. Gates is his head coach. It's fuck Adam Gates all. It's fuck Adam Gates all day around this joint, man. We got tipped around that. It's fuck Adam Gates. But it's just like, and he was coming off of like a a bad injury last year. Like why? Yeah. For him, it's like why would I? For him, you want me to go? No. Yeah. No. Right. Right. Yeah. Shout out Manesh, man, because Manesh be at fucking Adam Gates' neck, and I live for that shit. <laughs> at his neck. <laughs> at his fucking neck, neck man. You know what I'm saying? I got love for uh, Manesh because, you know, he blocked me for years. And he unblocked <laughs> me. You know, I got love for that. You know, Shout out Manesh, man. <laughs> Shout out Manesh, man. Shout out Manesh, man. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Uh, what's the color, though, man? I did not realize until I heard that shit that he opted out, dog. That's crazy. That's crazy, man. Like, yeah. Hey. But, you yeah. Know, like it is, I, that's, I that's life, and that's real. I expected more players to opt out, though. I, I did, too. I, did I really think, honestly, man, I think that, you know what I'm saying, and, you know, it's not exactly a secret that the NFLPA is not the best, uh, you know, players organization in professional sports. Um, and, I, again, I would really like to know what kind of information these guys had um, exposure to explicitly, not just, hey, look, here's the handout from the team, you know what I'm saying, which 32 teams, you're going to get 32 different things. You know what I'm saying? It's not like there's any one. You have your one set, you know, league mandated. You have to tell them there's league mandated disclosures and stuff like that. But I would love to know, you know what I'm saying, what these guys found out about the virus aside from, hey, look, here's what it is. You guys don't have pre-existing conditions or the five of you guys that might be pre-diabetic. Yeah, y'all might really want to think about this shit. Or if you're about to have a kid, yeah, you might want to think about this shit. But everybody else, yeah, you should be okay and, you know, we can't guarantee anything if you get your family members ill or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? It can't just be as simple as I can't go without this money and no matter what's happening, I just got to be out there. Now, that being said, you think back to the lockout a couple of years ago and you see the kind of loans these cats were taking out when they had known there was going to be a stoppage for a minute that, you know what I'm saying? It was going to be an issue uh, this was back, what was that, 12, 13, man? The last time we had the, uh, the lockout? It was 2000. Uh, 
2011. Yeah, I remember seeing that uh, Vince Young took out uh, like a loan for like a million dollars, but it was like some ridiculous like criminal uh, percentage rate he had to play. He had to pay the shit back with was like fucking forty or fifty percent or something crazy Ooh. like that. It was it was insane, man. But they had been telling those guys to prepare. You know what I'm saying? The player reps and all those guys to that point, you know what I'm saying? And to their credit, they were telling those, you know, telling the young guys ahead of time, hey, man, look, we ain't going to have no cash. Your cash going to be light. Hold on to your money. They didn't listen. So when they got to that point, they were cash strapped. And so when it was time for them to make a deal again, they didn't make a great deal. They just took whatever the fuck, you know, the owners did with minimal concessions. And then, you know, they were back playing ball. Excuse me, because those guys weren't really prepared for. Uh, to go without. And, uh, you know what I'm saying, I can't help but wonder how many of these guys, uh, how much of the participation, the high number of participation across the league is due to uh, guys, you know, how much of it was economics and how much of it was information or lack thereof. I would love to know, you know what I'm saying, what the breakdown was. And, you know, to what I said a minute ago, man, I'd love to, to be in the Patriots locker room about six weeks ago, or at least the group text, and, you know, and hear how that shit went. That all of those guys just all of a sudden decided, yeah, you know what? Not this season. I'm just gonna chill. You know what I'm saying? I'll just take this 150, which is a. Did you guys know that this shit is a loan, basically? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's just a fucking loan. The fucking pay loan, right? You gotta pay that shit back. That's wild. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that shit is insane, man. Now, you know what I'm saying? If you like, you know, roster player number 59, okay, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I, I guess, but. You know what I'm saying? It's insane to me that, you know, that's your alternative. It's not that, hey, man, look, we know that there's a, you know, a global pandemic going on and, you know, we'll give you this stipend basically uh, to get you through and see you through your essentials. And, you know what I'm saying, this should tie you over and get you through, you know what I'm saying, until, you know, you're, you're comfortable or football comes back in 2021. Uh, but no, without leaving out the part that basically it's a fucking advance on your salary next year. This ain't, this ain't, you know, this isn't a, you know, a portion of your current contract because basically your contract goes on ice. I don't think those guys accrue a year of service either. Nope. nope Dude, sure don't. They don't, they don't accrue, yeah, they don't accrue a service year for doing this, right? No, no. The only benefit is their own mental health. That's it. Right, that's it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Which, you know, the truth be told, is probably, you know, it's been, you know, that that's probably the key thing. Yeah. And, you know what I'm saying? I think we this one of these things, bro, we're going to look back on uh, regretfully, you know what I'm saying, um, in a few years when we know more about this thing. And I pray that it's not true and, it, it you know, it's not uh, what happens, man. But I just, I can't help but feel like we're going to look back on this and say, damn, man, we really, we really probably shouldn't have done that. You know what I'm saying? Just knowing, you know, the little bit that I know about this thing right now, bro, in, in terms of how it can impact folks down the line. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, we, we at home board and shit. We'll watch any fucking thing, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We, we was hyping Korean baseball a couple weeks ago. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we will watch any fucking thing and we will bet on anything because we are a degenerate society. We'll bet on anything. <laughs> I'm pretty sure some of you motherfuckers out there listening were betting on the WNBA. There's no judgment out here, but you know what I'm saying? Taking the sparks on the over is some degenerate shit. And I love you, but, you know, it is what it is, man. Shout out to my man, but, Cole, Cole, Cole on Saints Twitter. He, he took a three-month hiatus, but Fat <laughs> 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 Boy Slim will, will bet on anything. No judgment here. My guy said he's taking the Mystics to go all the way again. <laughs> 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 
But yeah, man, you know what I'm saying? I'm wrong. You know, we all at the crib board. You know what I'm saying? We're tired of these kids. We just need, you know, something to feel normal and shit. And that's, you know, I, I agree, bro. And I feel the same way. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, at what cost? And, you know what I'm saying? For me, you know, I'm not going to hold against any of these guys. I'm not going to hold against no fans for, you know, cheering for football and stuff like that, man. Because if you're going to give it to us, you know, fucking right, I'm going to watch it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I agree with it. It's the same thing with the UFC. You know what I'm saying? When Dana White was trying to put this shit on back in fucking, like, you know, June, when this shit was still new and going crazy and fresh and shit, everybody was like, man, you're crazy. Why are you trying to do this shit now? Put on some, you know, put on a few events and the shit worked out and it was cool and you could actually see that, okay, well, this is kind of safe. You know what I'm saying? And this could maybe work, but at the same time, I'm going to watch it even if I don't really feel like this should be happening right now. You know what I'm saying? The event Saturday night, main event was great. You know what I'm saying? Shout out Dan, you call me. But, you know what I'm saying? It was one of those things where I felt like, you know, yeah, I'm going to watch it because it's on and it's Saturday night and there's really nothing happening because I'm in my fucking house for the, what, the seventh, well, what, the fourth or fifth month straight. But, you know what I'm saying? It, it probably shouldn't really be happening right now, all things being told. But, you know, if you're going to put it on, we're going to watch it. You know, and that's kind of how I feel about, you know, football going on this season, especially pro football. College football, I'm perfectly fine with, you know, with not seeing at all. You know what I'm saying? Even if it means I never get to see Jamar Chase play for LSU again or, you know what I'm saying, if Justin Fields decides, you know what, fuck Ohio State, I'm just going to go get ready for the draft. And, you know what I'm saying, no matter how it affects, you know, all of those guys, man, you know what I'm saying, because these kids aren't getting paid for it, and that's basically why this season is not going to happen. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I saw some shit earlier. It was saying, and, you know, I don't know, I didn't, you know, I don't know if it was how well sourced it was. They were saying that LSU is worried about losing $80 million in uh, revenue if football doesn't happen. I don't even know if that's an accurate number because the football program grosses, I'm pretty sure, a good bit more than that. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, but all I, you know, all I see reading that shit is, is that, damn, these kids are worth $80 million a year. Huh. And what the fuck are they getting? You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know. Thirty, forty thousand dollar a year, um, uh, to, you know, tuition, room and board, or whatever like that, which is marked up anyway. So fuck that noise. Right. Um, but you know, what I'm saying, think about that shit. Think about how much money Joe Burrow really generated for LSU last year. Man. You know, what I'm saying, or Jamal, or, or Stingley. You know, what I'm saying, all these kids that you know came and made a big impact individually for that team. You know, what I'm saying, you take that number I just said, and you start chipping that shit up, and you know, what I'm saying, you know giving that up percentage-wise based on, you know, the impact that those guys had on that team for that year. And I promise you, it's a whole lot more than that scholarship and room and board. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, you know, the, the whole reason that the college football season isn't happening is because they won't share revenue. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you look at these player demands and stuff like that across the board, all they're really saying is make sure that we're good health-wise beyond the years that we're on campus, which, you know, college football still does not do at all. You know what I'm saying? You can go out here and get fucked up playing for Tennessee or playing for, you know, any of these schools out here and then find out years later and they'll be like, oh, shit, man, it didn't happen on campus. So, you know, or we didn't know about it while you were on campus. So I can't guarantee that you didn't get in a fucking car accident and fuck your brain up or fuck your hip up or, you know, whatever the case is. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that's essentially all the players are really asking for, man, give us some money to make this risk worth it. And to protect ourselves and to give us, you know, basically prolonged health care going down the line. That's it. You know what I'm saying? Give me a portion. Uh, give, you know, uh, Jamar Chase a portion of these fucking LSU number seven jerseys that you're about to go sell all over the place right this year. 
You know what I'm saying? Go put that shit in the trust. And that's the, the thing I can't, I can't understand about it is that if you want to protect, you know, the sanctity of quote-unquote amateurism, right, you don't want to pay the kids while they're on campus directly for their contributions in athletics, put that shit in the trust fund. The minute that they are either no longer eligible or graduate or leave campus permanently, give them their money. You know what I'm saying? Whether that's, ir- you know, in, in, in relative to the NCAA video games that are going to come back sometime soon, to selling jerseys, which was always my biggest gripe. You know, if Florida tried to circumvent that shit to a degree where they would only sell, like, two numbers. It was, like, number one, and um, I think they broke in, like, so uh, 15 for Tebow. Maybe they don't even do that shit anymore. But there was, like, a couple schools that only sold, like, flagship numbers. They didn't just, like, do the, the, you know, the like, you remember we grew up with the East Bay catalogs where you had the number nine Peter Warren jersey. You had number five Reggie Bush. You had, you know what I'm saying, uh, Ty Gurley at Georgia, A.J. Green and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, for those guys that you got to sell my number while I'm up here doing this shit, man, it's a direct relation to how well I'm performing. Put my money in a fucking trust somewhere where I can touch it as soon as I leave here. Right. You know what I'm saying? If I'm, a, if I'm an amateur athlete and that's who I am and that's what you want to sell to everyone and you want to tell everyone that's what it is, they give me my bread when I leave. It's cool. Just give me my money when I leave campus. Whenever we're done here, whenever we're done, you know, we you know, finish with this transaction because it's a transaction. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, whenever I leave, they give me my money. You know, but the fact that the NCAA isn't willing or these conferences aren't willing to, you know, do what it takes to, you know, to, to take care of these kids and secure them to risk their lives and the lives of their family members, you know, during this thing is, you know, it's kind of nuts. And that's why I don't think football should be played because they're not willing to, you know, cut the shit and guarantee these kids a uh, you know, future going forward, man. Hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy when you think about it though, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like you're going to sit up here and say that, um, you know, having these kids be around each other. Um, and you know what I'm saying? When you start getting into contact tracing, so, you have, you know, on a NCAA program, you know, LSU, you might have, what, uh, 9,500 kids on a team, just like players and, like, walk-ons and shit. You know what I'm saying? You you take those guys, they all, you know, live in certain places, you know what I'm saying? Some of them live on campus, some of them live off campus, right? Which means that now, all of a sudden, they're all exposed to different people who are exposed to different people. They all go to different classes where they're exposed to different people who are exposed to different people. So it's not like they all have a homogenous you know what I'm saying, living situation where they all live in, you know, like the bubble, right? It's not they all just, you know, hold up in the athletic complex, taking classes online, going straight to practice, coming back to the complex. They're not going to be doing that from, you know what I'm saying, August through December. It's not going to happen that way. You know what I'm saying? You're asking these kids to still go out and go to class and do all of this shit through the process and risk themselves because they know they're going to have certain exposure, especially here in the South. You know what I'm saying? For a number of reasons. But, um, you know, the fact that you were willing to, you know, have these kids expose themselves, you know, at the risk of what? You know what I'm saying? A, a scholarship for a semester or a year. You know, the thing that I, you know, that, that I don't think is really, you know, being mentioned to a lot of these kids that aren't comfortable playing is, man, look, look at all of the schools that are not playing right now, bro. I promise you, you will be able to transfer to one of those schools if you are not comfortable being the third tackle at Alabama or being the fucking backup, you know, deep snapper at LSU 
or at, you know what I'm saying, uh, Clemson or North Carolina or one of these other programs, man. There's opportunities out here for you. You don't have to do that shit. HBCUs are not playing football this fall. You know what I'm saying? It's a big step down in terms of, like, national exposure to go from being on ESPN and, you know, all of the networks, uh, the ESPN, you know, networks or whatever, you know, playing for a big-time SEC, ACC program. But I promise you, you know what I'm saying, if you add Southern or if you add FAMU or these other schools, they're looking out for your health and well-being because they can't afford for you not to be well because they can't afford their lawsuit. They got to <laughs> they gotta be, you know what I'm saying, cautious with how they take care of you. So there's always going to be an opportunity for you to go and play somewhere. So don't feel like you are, you know, a prisoner of, you know, having to stay at the school or having to, you know, go through this stuff if you're really uncomfortable doing it, man. I mean, I know these are all, you know, really prideful and hyper-competitive, you know what I'm saying, young men. Uh, but, you know, you got to have somebody that's going to step up in your ear and, you know, put some good words on you and let you know that this ain't everything. man. I love LSU. I do. You know what I'm saying? I love the program. I'm glad that we're going in the right direction and shit like that, man. But I don't hold it against any of these kids. None of them. Not one. If they decided, you know what? Fuck this shit. Got a murder happening again? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Murder time? <laughs> Uh-oh. Murder time man, in Ryan Ryan, household, man. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan's M.O. Worst, worst criminal I've ever met. He's like, his M.O. is, I'm going to do murders live on a podcast. Like, everybody can hear that. Oh, evidence. man. I will never forget that shit. <laughs> That's my, yeah, my wife voice, boy. Shout out, shout out to Bree. Shout out to Bree. Shout I just want to know, Ryan. Like, can you let us know what she was watching that, that elicit such a reaction? <laughs> oh, you're talking about in the last episode? Yeah. Uh, no, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what, what was she watching, man? The murder I episode. Remember, what was man. that? Yeah. I can't remember, but she was like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's like a fucking crime scene." Like, damn, dog, is, is everything all right? <laughs> Press two if you need assistance. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> best, best part about it, my, my, I was worried. This man just like just kept talking, like it was just. <laughs> yeah, it's a fucking Sunday afternoon, right? Like, yeah, bro, it's fucking Kamara. Kamara, <laughs> definitely. Do we get some help? Background. That's background noise for me. Shit. I'm like, oh. <laughs> but, yeah, man. But. Uh, Will, we don't want to take up too much of your time, man. Uh, uh man, anytime, bro. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, just just like me on Twitter, uh, Will's account is locked, so you can request to follow Will on Twitter. You can request, man, but I will screen you motherfuckers, <laughs> and if it ain't looking right, you ain't getting yeah. through, man. I love you, y'all. I appreciate y'all. You know what I'm saying? Ryan Ryan got fucking the Hills Have Eyes Saints Twitter following him, man. You know what I'm saying? You say two words uh, to Ryan. You got these motherfuckers I ain't never seen before. You know what I'm saying? Like, who you know are you? I, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be a, you know, open, all inclusive. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> all, 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 all fans, all fans matter. All, all fans, fans matter. matter. But damn, <laughs> make that fucking that Getty image thing your fucking avatar, man. That that that's where that's where you at right now. Make that fucking Drew Brees get an image thing, you fucking asshole. <laughs> I may as well.
I'm as well. <laughs> yeah, um, man. All right, man. But follow. You can follow Will on Twitter at Will Del Toro. Um, so as the season goes on, as we continue doing more episodes, you know, a goal of Ryan and I is to to have people who is a part of Saints Twitter be on the podcast. Like that's the point of of the pod. That's the point of the show. Um, so we started with Will. Will's obviously not going to be, you know, the only person we get on here. We're going to have more people and just keep it going. Because at the end of the day, you know, this is the Saints have brought us all together to be an extended family at the end of the day. And that's something that regardless of all the heartbreak and just annoying ass fucking feelings I have for them in the past, like that's something I always, I, I'll always be thankful of is that, you know, without the Saints, we wouldn't have this camaraderie that we have that we share and I don't care what anyone says it's not like this in every fan base like it's not it's just not um and so you know so we that's 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 why we do it um so we're getting out of here it's getting late but uh Will thanks for coming on man we appreciate it thank you guys man I appreciate y'all man talk to y'all boys soon all right man brother uh first Saints padded practice tomorrow um bruh all right then um we'll be we'll be back next week we'll we'll talk about training camp what's coming out of training camp and there's gonna be football in a month from now like a month from today there's gonna be football which is insane but we will we will get through it as as we do um follow you can i mean everyone follows ryan so you don't have to worry about following him but uh with that (laughs) Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.